Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Well, we're live for the first time in a long time with today's cohort on the show. I'm your host, Bradshaw to Ben. This is the SteelerFury.com podcast, and we got a bonus edition this week because we have the return. Uh, it's Perch Lives. Steel Perch is with us today. How are you, sir? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Steel Perch has come back to talk shoe. <laughs> and Elvis has not left the building just yet. <laughs> Apparently, Elvis almost left the building. Are, are you uh, are you prepared to share any uh, the details of what happened? Or are you? Uh, uh, yeah, it... I, yeah, just basically uh, driving up the highway and hit uh, some standing water, started the hydroplane, and the traction control in my car kicked on, which decided to spin my car into a 360 dead spin across three lanes at 65 miles an hour into a guide rail, flipped in the air, landed on the roof, uh, flipped back over and stuck the landing on the wheels. Uh, so I, I got out of it uh, way better than I probably should have for crashing at 65 miles an hour. But, uh, yeah, I got, you know, a few weeks off of work and, and some injuries here and there. But uh, I've, I've healed up pretty good in the last couple months. Yeah, that's, that's not recommended, man. Uh, but yeah, it, does, it does, yeah. on the positive side, it does sound like you're Antonio Brown's next touchdown celebration. <laughs> I, yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> the, the flipping. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Well. Uh, as somebody who has had a car accident at 65 miles an hour, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, uh, you on one hand, you feel lucky to to have survived it, and on the other hand, it's not really something you want to go out and do again next week. I still have I have uh, little things that bother me, and mine happened uh, January 1990. So, hopefully, you will heal better than that. <laughs> at any rate, yeah, you, you know. It's- you know, it was a bad accident when the uh, police officer and the paramedic both come back to the hospital the next day to see if you're still alive. <laughs> that was my first clue that it was it was pretty bad. But uh, yeah, I've got I got out of it without any major you know uh, major issues for the long term. So unfortunately, well, did, did, did it give you a better outlook about uh, the Steelers? Do you feel less uh, frustrated by them? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still yelling? Actually, was Antoine Blake involved in the accident in any way? I swerved to hit him. him? I swerved to hit him, but I missed. (laughs) It's easy to do. He's small. He went right with slow. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we have a lot of catching up to do. I guess you want to? I'll give you the floor. What do you? What's your? You haven't. Let's see. It's before Cincinnati. Ben was still hurt. I think the lot when you got injured, right? Uh, it was right before Halloween, so uh, right around that point in time when he came oh, nothing, back, I guess. So. Nothing's happened in the Steelers' season since then, right? No, I mean, you know, honestly, I think I look at it now the same as I did earlier in the year where the offense can pretty much write their own score if they're playing well. It's going to come down to how well they can actually protect the football. And then the defense, you know, I think this last Sunday was a perfect example of what the Steelers' defense is. It can be horribly awful for long stretches of time, and then they can somehow turn it around and miraculously be good for stretches of time. For Jekyll and Hyde, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. So, you know, to me, it's it's going to be, can they be consistently mediocre enough so they're not horrible for long stretches to see if they can put together a long playoff run? And the offense, to me, they still need to do a better job of, of throwing touchdown passes, especially in the red zone. They get down there, it seems like almost every drive they're getting across the 50 and just either settling for, for field goals or getting close and not punching it in. That'll work against a lot of teams. When you play New England's of the world, you're going to have to score into the 30s, if not 40, to win that game. So that's that's kind of where it is. I mean, I don't think the opinion has changed much since, you know, before Ben got hurt or since he's come back. Uh, we know it's a flawed defense. It's not a typical Steelers playoff team. And, you know, the offense is going to have to be great, not just good uh, to carry the team. Yeah, well, um, 
you know, you mentioned that the, that the defense can just be consistent, consistently, uh, not consistently inconsistent. If they can just be consistently mediocre, it might be enough. But I, I, I'll, I'll take the other side of that. I think almost it's better if they're great at times when they need to be versus mediocre the whole time. Maybe mediocre the whole time is enough because the offense is, is good enough to continue to score points. But I almost feel like, you know, they the fact that they sort of uh, raise the intensity later in the game, that reminds me of some of the better defenses that we've had. And maybe, you know, maybe it has something to do with personnel. Maybe it has something to do with young players where they get better. But, uh, you know, I, I think almost, you know, if you're great in stretches, that's almost like being a gunslinger quarterback who makes mistakes but will make some big plays for you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty accurate. It's just it, it's come down to they've been really good as a scoring defense. And, you know, it, they've tightened up a lot in the red zone where, you know, they get uh, give up these long drives or give up drives down into the red zone. They've come up with either timely interceptions or a timely sack or just, you know, a, a third down stop, and they're forcing teams to kick field goals. If they can just consistently do that, even if they are giving up yards and chunks, then, you know, that's probably good enough as long as the offense holds up their end of the bargain. And I don't see many defenses in the AFC. I mean, look who the Steelers have played in recent weeks. Cincinnati, um, Denver, Seattle. I mean, those are as good as as any defenses you're going to see in the playoffs. And the Steelers haven't had trouble moving the ball or putting up 30 points against those teams. So if the defense can just consistently stop people in the red zone, that's good enough to make a long run. Yeah, I mean, unless the Jets somehow make it in 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 the unlikely event that the Steelers would face the Jets somewhere along the line, uh, it, it seems like it's going to be the same teams, the same defenses they're going to play again uh, until maybe they get a chance to see, say, Carolina or somebody like that. Well, I mean, um, it could be Houston in the first week. Um, to me, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that uh, Cincinnati is going to beat Denver this week. Kansas City is going to win the West. And the Steelers are going to end up as a five seed at Houston in the first round of the playoffs. So it could be Pittsburgh at Houston. And I don't, you know. I don't know how afraid we should be of Houston's defense. They're they're pretty good. You know, I think they're 21, 22 points a game in scoring defense, which is around 12 or 13. So they're not great, but they're they're decent. And I think that's who the Steelers will play in the first round. That's my my hunch. Yeah, I mean, that'd be good. I mean, being the five seed beats the hell out of being the six seed, especially if the six seed's pretty good. Um, meaning that the six seed might you know win a game uh, in the first round. Uh, and I think but, that would also put us at what would be at Cincinnati the following. No, I get or maybe it would have yeah. New England. Yeah. Well, it depends. Well, it depends. Depends on the yeah. yeah. Exactly. But you know, the thing is, at this point, you're going to have to beat everybody anyway. Anyway, it doesn't it kind of doesn't matter as to me as much the order and you know, especially having rooted for a team that won against the you know four. Well, at least the three opponents that nobody wanted to face. Nobody wanted to go back to Cincinnati, really. Nobody wanted to uh, go to Indianapolis. Nobody wanted to go to Denver and play at Mile High for the championship. And, you know, they managed to find their way uh, through those, weave their way through those games. And, uh, you know, I, in a way, having this stretch here where you have almost a playoff atmosphere for the last month, uh, I think really bodes well for them. That that was a formula, a winning formula for them in 2005 pretty much also in 2008 where they had the very tough schedule, played, you know, a lot of potential playoff teams that year. You know, it just feels like this battle-tested is a better way to go into the postseason than, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, some of these teams are you, – you, you can't say that Carolina's not on a roll, but I'm not sure how battle-tested they really are compared to the Steelers. Yeah, I think Carolina's played two or three teams with a winning record all year. I mean, they, if you look at their schedule, it's like, who the hell they played? You know, they beat Seattle, and they, they have a couple of nice wins, but I'm not sold on Carolina. I still remember, was it last year that the Steelers beat the hell out of Carolina or the year before? Uh, just it, To me, it's still that same team. They haven't really changed that much. I, I, I don't think Carolina makes, makes it to the Super Bowl this year. Seattle's got really hot, and they look good in, in the NFC. And uh, Arizona, I think one of those two teams ends up coming out of the NFC this year. So, and I think Pittsburgh can can handle either of those guys. So it, it's you know it's just being consistent, scoring when they have the ball, not having those stupid turnovers. And you know, with Ben Roethlisberger, and you know, as much as we all love the guy, you know, you and I especially are probably leading his his fan club. But uh, as he's 
progressed, and now he's become this great pocket passer, and he's very good before the snap, and he reads defense as well, and he doesn't hold the ball too long, and he doesn't take sacks. At the end of games, he's, he doesn't have what he used to have, where he used to have this ice in his veins, and when he had the ball in his hands, you just knew he was going to make great plays, and he was going to come back from behind, and it seems like some of that has gone away, and just we saw that stupid interception this week, and losing the game against Cincinnati this year, and I think there was a third game this year where he had had a chance to do something good in the fourth quarter. It, it concerns me a little bit. So it's, you know, as, as great has been as become, I think the only thing separating him from being the best in the league right now is, is just, just that, just uh, putting the ball in the end zone on a more consistent basis and, and fourth quarter stuff where it seems like he's lost a little bit of what he used to have. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I know who the number one team in the NFL is in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And it won't surprise you in a way to learn that it's Detroit. And it's Detroit who has two, you know, basically two guys. They have a guy like Heinz Ward and Golden Tate, and then they have, you know, the biggest freak that there is at wide receiver. And I, I'm not saying that that's the only factor involved, but that it certainly helps to have the types that are the, they've got, you know, the, they've got some big tight ends too. And that's something I think we really lack where, yeah, we've got Miller, but he's just slow and not super athletic. The other tight ends aren't big-time red zone threats. We're kind of relying on 5'11 receivers down there. And, you know, just – and not, not that they've been horrible in the red zone. It's just they don't throw enough touchdown passes, <laughs> even from deeper out, you know. Rarely do you see them hit the 30- or 40-yard, you know, play that gets busted for a touchdown, and, and they just haven't thrown a whole lot of touchdown passes. and. Whatever that reason is, uh, it's something they need to, to look on correcting. Although one, the one guy on their team that does seem to have that nose for the end zone is D'Angelo Williams. Uh, he just seems like a different player inside the 20. Yeah, he uh, he's done an outstanding job. And that's a lot of it, too. When they get down you know, close in the red zone, they're more than happy inside the five to give it to him. And if you give it to that guy two or three times, he's going to get in. So. Yeah, it's the thing. When you have that weapon, it does take a little bit of the pressure off to try to pump t- touchdown passes in. They are they are scoring at a pretty good rate in the red zone. It's not like they're, you know, massively unsuccessful doing it. It's just, as you said, it would be the one piece, something that they, they can do better. I think, you know, they, based yeah, on I what their talent is. Yeah, to the first game of the year when they played uh, New England. And they dominated that game. Moved the ball up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field. And they were settling for field goals and, and just – and New England, you know, may, have, may not have had a good drive, and then the next time they come back and get a touchdown, where the Steelers had three good drives, and New England has one, and they're losing, you know, seven to three. <laughs> Things like that, where they just they've got to find ways against the better teams to consistently score those touchdowns, because you know, when we play a Tom Brady or we play any of the other elite quarterbacks that are going to be in the playoffs, our defense is going to do okay at best. They're not going to shut those guys down. So it's it's going to be a shootout, and they have to go into games. With that in mind, you know, if you've got third and one at the seven-yard line, you might want to go for it instead of kicking that field going fourth down. So just something that they, they need to have that mindset of, hey, we need to score 30, 35 to win some of these games. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, there's there's no doubt that they they have that mindset. They may not actually follow through on it uh, as much, but it does, it does feel like they at least, uh, you know, do believe that do believe in their offense and will let them try to make a play to win a game. I mean, you know, the third and six in the last game uh, at the end of the game, we've had, we faced that situation as a team, you know, multiple times in the Mike Tomlin era. And, you know, the last, the last uh, two of the last three times that I can remember off the top of my head and particularly in bigger games towards the end of the season, they, they gave, you know, I mean, they gave it this time, they gave the guy who just threw the most asinine interception in the history of interceptions probably or right up there with the you know like the butt fumble and the and maybe even Dalton you know the screen pass into the hands of, of Stefan too a uh, couple of weeks ago but uh you know they, they gave that guy an opportunity to go right back out there and make a play to win the game on third and six so they do believe in their offense's ability to to make plays yeah, at least they didn't run the quarterback in that situation, right? We've seen that a couple of times. Third and long, let's run the quarterback. Uh, Although, yeah, you know, that, the, play, the play that he threw, the interception on probably had some room. <laughs> he had room to go for a couple of yards and fall on the ground. And that oh, was yeah, a better yeah, result than an interception. That, that was a play he should have made. It was just, you know, 
You could tell on the side he looked disgusted with himself. He knew he shouldn't have threw it. He knew oh, it was yeah. a big time and a, a bad time to make a big mistake. And uh, you know he got he got lucky that the team got out of it. But uh, that, that probably would do a lot for him mentally too. Just uh, if they had lost that game because he threw that pick, you know he may be fighting some demons the rest of the year. So that you know it's fortunate that they came out of that thing with a win. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I, the other great thing that came out of that was was uh, Antonio Brown. You know, the, the guy, a guy maybe you wouldn't expect to uh, you know go have a pep talk, give Ben a pep talk, and you know, and so on. That was that was a something good to see. And just in general, the defense going out there and and picking him up like it was no big deal to stop him again on another desperation drive at the end of the game that they probably shouldn't have had to have. So not simple. I mean, I guess you know the defense might have had the mindset already they were going to have to go back out there and stop a desperation drive because if Ben throws that ball away on third down instead of instead of uh, getting intercepted or even if he falls on the ground, Denver probably still gets it back with 50 seconds left, no timeouts at their 20 or something. So it's not like they weren't going to have to stop them at all. Again, it's just, you know, you don't want to do it in that situation. However, I will say this. I don't, I'm not sure if Denver had five more possessions in that game they were going to score. They didn't seem to be able to do anything in the second half. They, they didn't even have a play in the in the uh, Steelers' side of the field until three minutes ago in the game. Yeah, it, you know, it seemed like the, the defensive backs actually came up and started pressing a little bit, and Osweiler was going through the same progression of reads, and they kind of keyed on to what the heck he was doing, and they quit. You know, in the first half, there was a couple of, you know, miscommunication things where the guys in the secondary you – know, <laughs> The, yeah, two two corners rush on the same play. I don't know who ever got blamed. I thought it was Anton Blake shouldn't have rushed. He should have stayed in coverage. And, you know, Sanders on that 61-yard touchdown, nobody covered the guy. Uh, once they kind of yeah, got that sort of – and that thing, this is week, what, 14 now. You can't be making those mistakes anymore. Week 15, whatever it is. Uh, it's just things that, you know, basic communication and learning the playbook stuff that they should have had down by now. So – that's just one of the things that kind of concerns you about, you know, even with the lack of talent they have, if they have bad talent plus blown coverages and blown assignments, then that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that, it, wasn't, it wasn't clear, even rewatching it, what should have happened there. I, the only, you know, to me it's like it's either uh, that, like, they called the blitz the corner blitz, and they, he was, there was a mix-up about which corner was supposed to go, and they both went. Um, but still, Shazir looked like he also was supposed to have at least middle third, and uh, and maybe you know dissuade that throw at least a little bit. Uh, but he also hesitated and got stuck near the line of scrimmage. And I, I'm including Shazir in this because when he went to the sideline, uh, William Gay I know was was all over him and asking him you know like trying to figure out what happened. So like to me, it looked a little bit like they had an all-out blitz with three guys playing in a deeper umbrella just to prevent exactly what happened. From happening, uh, and only one of those guys uh, played the deep third. <laughs> you know, so if, if if two guys abandon two thirds of the field uh, and you pick up the blitz, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, and I saw the same thing on the sidelines. It seemed like everybody was uh, after Shazier a little bit. Like he he must have blown his his deep third coverage. And uh, but again, that that sort of thing can't happen. You know, it's just it's too late in the year, and the, the team's too talented to, to give up plays uh, just based on blown assignments. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you you mentioned you think you think Cincinnati is going to beat Denver. Is that what the, is that what the message was that you? Uh, that's you that's what I, that? I just think Cincinnati's got a you know I think the game's in Cincinnati, isn't it? No, I think, I think it's in Denver. Either way, yeah. I just I think Cincinnati you know with the back quarterback situation on both teams, Cincinnati's got a little bit more solid overall round team, and and if Cincinnati wins that game, that basically you know eliminates Denver from you know everything <laughs> puts them down into, you know, basically the six wild card spot with Kansas city having the, the tiebreaker for their division over them. So that's just, I think that's something I think that could very, very likely happen. Now, if it doesn't and Cincinnati loses and Cincinnati would have to win the last game of the season to, to win our division. So there's a lot that could still happen. A lot of things we can end up anywhere from the two seed to the six seed. If you know, with wins or out of the playoffs with a loss, but I, I, I can't see the jets beat new England this week. New England needs that game to get the first, first seed and, and a bye week and everything. So they're, I think they already have the bye week, but uh, I think uh, the Steelers should lock up playoffs this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, that seems, it seems likely about getting a playoff spot, but yeah, I don't know this. I would say that 
you, I mean, I guess that begs the question. Do you, you think then that Cincinnati, having seen them, those two teams the last two weeks, you think Cincinnati is better than Denver? Because I, I would beg to differ. I think Denver is a much better team than Cincinnati. Yeah, it's close. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I see some some flaws with Denver that uh, that I don't see with since Cincinnati's just been very steady and consistent all year. And I, it sounds like Peyton Manning's chomping at the bit to come back. And well, that would be. Back, I I just yeah, I don't I, I think he's just an albatross around that team. And not that Osweiler is any good, but Manning was horrible. I mean, by far the worst quarterback in the NFL this year. And now he's yeah. injured and been out sitting out for a month and and going to come back. I think that that team's just waiting to implode at some point. So that's just why I, you know, I think that Cincinnati might be a little bit, a little bit sturdier ground for for where they are at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I like Cincinnati's receivers better overall. They're just a little bit more dependable. Uh, but the, the defensive talent on Denver, wow, man, the, the uh, I mean, I I don't think Bradley Roby is great, but as your number three corner, he's pretty good. And those other two guys are are straight up great. And uh, that that uh, Malik Jackson, oh my God, that that guy had a game for the ages on Sunday. I don't know. I mean, granted, he's playing cross with Cody Wallace, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll be. It's funny. Like they both have backup quarterbacks. I don't think either of those backup quarterbacks is anywhere near as bad as say Jimmy Cloth quarterback. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, they're 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 actually competent competent uh, competent starters. Even I would go to as far as saying that. I don't know. We shall see. With McCarron, still early for him. Um, but uh, all right. So let's this the uh, you know this thing with the uh, the corners and the Antoine Blake. I mean, I know that we've beat that horse pretty much to death for for months. But you got any insight into into what they're attempting to do now? At least they had they had Blake in. They had Boykin in the whole game as the nickel, and they had Blake uh, playing most of the first half. On the outside, and then on the, in the second half they had uh, Cockrell, so they were kind of like they played each Cockrell and Blake about half a game. I, yeah, you know, I, I still don't understand that against, you know, I, th- that allows you the possibility of having Blake isolated against Demarius Thomas, which sounds bad. Well, and I, I think that going forward, if once they finally do come to their senses and realize he's not the answer and shouldn't be in there, he'll be the super sub number four where they don't, they don't want those guys, the, the main three corners playing the entire game and getting winded. They're going to rotate him in. He's probably going to get 10 to 12 snaps a game as is relief for William Gay and for uh, Ross Cockrell on the outside. And then they could slide Gay into Boykin's slot if they need to give him a rest. And, but how about William Gay? I mean, for a guy who took a lot of heat for a lot of years for us from Steelers fans for being a mediocre corner or some guy who shouldn't be starting. And then they, sit him to Arizona, and when he came back, people were pissed that we brought him back again. That guy's been nothing but outstanding. I mean, he's been outstanding as an outside corner, as a, as a slot corner. Nobody throws at him. He's just – he's been, you know and, – and relatively speaking, of course, we have sh- shitty standards for, for corner play in Pittsburgh in recent years, but the guy has just been just outstanding. And, and uh, you know, hopefully they can add another couple years to his deal. I know he's a free agent coming up, but uh, – yeah, he's he's been really done really well, and uh, you know Cockrell has got his warts, but he's been at least steady and serviceable. And Boykin seems to be coming on pretty well in the slot. So if you have those three guys, and those three guys can play up to their potential, and you can limit the amount of time that Antoine Blake and his uh, short stature and busted hand and limited tackling ability <laughs> see the field. You know, you can be a, an average or, or maybe a little bit better than average defense, and that's kind of what they need. So, you know, it's, it's the potential is there. What the hell the Steelers actually decide to do with, with Blake is the big question. And to me, it just seems like best-case scenario, he's the, the fourth guy that rotates in and plays 10 to 12 snaps a game. But sure. you never know. They, they, may keep just, they just may keep starting him and, and driving us crazy every week. Um. Just uh, sorry, I keep. I wanted to move on to this week's game, but I thought of two other questions I really wanted to address with you. One is, you know, they started off the game with with Heath Miller uh, kept in, you know, sort of max protect, and and I, it was probably not the worst choice. Whenever you have, uh, you know, young young tackle on one side and Marcus Gilbert, who's had some issues with speed guys in the past, just because Denver has all those cats, and until they got their feet underneath them to have a tight end and running back, you know, chipping instead of out in the pattern. 
that's that's a fine strategy. I don't mind that in terms of uh, as a way to get rolling in the game. But I just wondered, you know, Heath Miller seemed to struggle a little bit in pass protection uh, in this game. And Jesse James, that's a strength. That may be the best quality that he has as a player right now. That's his best skill currently. So why not play a little more? Like I guess if it's okay to rotate, you know, the, the outside pass rushers and it's okay to rotate the cornerbacks, why not? Some rotation at tight end is a time for that for Heath Miller. Well, maybe a, maybe a bit where they take him out and spell him, you know, a few plays here and there. But uh, you don't want to be predictable about your your sets either, where you you know put one guy in in the game and everybody knows that there's no chance of this guy going out for a pass and that sort of a thing. But it just you know Miller is Miller. He's he's steady and the team trusts him and they they think much more highly of him than you know probably anybody else around the league does. And he does a good job, but. I don't think that they have any interest in taking him out for long stretches. Well, I mean, I, I don't even mean long stretches. I just mean, you know, especially especially if you're – it's not like space. If you replace him with space, yeah, no one's thinking Matt Space is ever going to be a target. He might as well be an extra offensive lineman on the field in that situation. But with Jesse James, it gives you a little bit of a – you know, that's something that he can do well, especially, uh, as you said, they don't use them, they don't seem to use the tight ends as much in the red zone. You know, it feels like they they do tend to look at them a little bit like tackle eligible when they get in the red zone. Might yeah, and I, I, I don't think that the Steelers would think that uh, James was a more reliable or better blocker at this point than than Miller. So that's probably why they wouldn't do it. But you know, I think he does rotate in a little bit here and there. But I, I didn't see the snap counts from last game. It seemed yeah, like he was. Either. I just know that, you know, he's only got one holding penalty, and I saw a couple of other occasions where he probably could have gotten one. In fact, the first touchdown, if you get a chance to rewatch it, the rushing touchdown, I mean, he literally, like, you know, pulls his guy to the ground without getting called, which is sort of lucky, uh, considering how the game ended up rolling from there. Um, At any rate, uh, the the other thing was, uh, oh, speaking of the outside pass rushers and rotation, um, Compared to where we were at the beginning of the season, where do you think we are on on the outside linebacker rotation? It seemed like last game they they used them as sort of a tool. Like the strategy right now is to try to push quarterbacks up into the pocket because they have so much faith in what Hayward and Tuit are able to do in the pass rush uh, that that is uh, they're using the outside linebackers more for that than they are to just simply be the dominant pass rushers. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that, but I, I still would criticize the outside linebackers. They're not they're not doing enough. You got to get them free once or twice a game to get through and make a big play, and they just they really aren't doing it. Dupree seems to have hit a rookie wall where he's just not doing a whole lot. You know, as much as he was doing earlier in the year, Motes has probably been playing a little bit better than Dupree has. Harrison had the big game a couple weeks ago, and he, you know he's still excellent against the run. He's just doesn't have that explosive burst off the edge anymore to, to go after the pass on a consistent basis. And Jarvis Jones is just kind of there, you know, none of those guys really, really scare you from a, an offensive standpoint at this point. So, Hey, what are we going to do to block this guy? But like you said, they are doing a decent job of going looping wide around the edge and pushing the quarterback into the pocket. And the defensive linemen have been doing a really good job of collapsing the pocket into Hayward and to it, especially and either hurrying throws or knocking a pass down or hitting the quarterback's arm or occasionally getting a sack. But it, you know, it seems like most of their sacks are coming from scheme or from blitzes than just a guy beating a guy. And Tomlin talks about that a lot. You know, we, we're not getting guys beating their guy one-on-one and making the play rush at the quarterback nearly enough. So No. The, you know, in this in this game, Hayward was the only guy that really beat someone one-on-one. And, uh, and I mean, two had got some pressures that way, but Hay- Hayward got a sack that way. And you know, Dupree did uh, make a pretty good play. That was more of like an effort sack or an effort pressure that uh, helped cause that inter- inter- interception at the end of the game uh, or late in the game for Shazier. So, you know, they did a couple, some pressures, and Harrison made a, you know, a couple nice plays against the run and so on. It's not like they're doing nothing, uh, but it, you're right. It, isn't, it, it doesn't seem like it's enough. But I don't know. They seem to pick it up a little bit in the second half. Maybe when the, you know, the, when the coverage is a little bit better, the pass rush is a little bit better. When the pass rush is a little bit better, the coverage is a little better, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on to this week's opponent and uh, and talk about your Baltimore Ravens as currently construed. Um, my first question is: Do you have any knowledge of what the quarterback situation is? First of all, is Shab 
Is he out like indefinitely? Is he? I think Sean is done post, and I, from what I heard, they're trying to get Ryan Mallett ready. I don't know if yeah, there's enough time to get him ready, but I think it's going to be Clawson this week, but maybe Mallett. And I, I don't. I was going to ask you the same question. I didn't get any clarification on that either. Yeah, well, what I heard was I heard that you you anticipated my next question because I did hear that Ryan Mallett, they were their hope was to get him a game in there. My, you know, my hope is. Clawson plays this week and Mallet plays next week. Cincinnati goes out to Denver and loses this week, then I'll take my chances with Ryan Mallet uh, over Jimmy Clawson any day in terms of, you know, if you, if you need Baltimore to pull a win out of its ass next week. Um, so at any rate, though, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I'm just not, I'm not sure what the status is uh, with Schaub. That was my first question. Is there any chance Schaub comes back to throw a couple more pick sixes this week? Um, at any rate, um, the Jimmy Clawson situation, I, you know, he's that sort of classic um, guy that's just not good enough to be an NFL quarterback, somehow manages to stick around in the league because of the lack of quarterback depth everywhere. And it's like, you know, you keep a guy like that as a backup, I guess, because he has started games before, therefore he is experienced. But, man, there's a guy who's like, it, it's so much effort just to make a two-yard down-the-field throw um, you know, it just doesn't seem to be any kind of a threat. But, you know, on the other hand, uh he he uh he hit a deep ball prayer and it's it's Baltimore. They could they could do that, you know, uh that the uh, famous Flacco DPI play. Uh you know, is there is there some chance that I mean to me I think Baltimore is gonna be overmatched in this game, but is there a chance that they can keep this game close for a while? Uh, well, shame on the Steelers' offense if they can. I mean, Baltimore's secondary is awful. And if the Steelers can't put up 30 on the Ravens, that's a big issue. And if your defense has given up 30 <laughs> or more to, to that shitty Ravens offense with a third or fourth string quarterback in there, you know, shame on you again. So uh, there, there's really no reason for the Steelers to lose this game. Sure, if you get, you know, a big injury to, to somebody that, uh, you know, one of the key two or three players on the team, or there's a lot of turnovers and stupid free points, you know, somebody give up a kickoff return for a touchdown and throw a pick six and all of a sudden you're down 14 nothing. And then, you know, you give Baltimore and their fans something to, to get pumped up about, but outside some disasters happening, there's no, no reason that Baltimore should be in this game. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first couple of drives of the game, I mean, the first couple of possessions of the game against Kansas city, they were pretty much, you know, going, it wasn't pretty, but they pretty much stayed toe to toe with them. They they looked, they got. They're not the most dynamic uh, defensive front you'll see, but they they're pretty tough to move. So they're they're not exactly a team that you're just going to blow down the field running the football. But as you said, the secondary leaves uh, a lot to be desired. I guess one would say. Yeah, um, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can actually say they're bad. Um, at any rate, though, you know you're you got to win this game, but it's almost like I almost feel like the opponent is so overmatched that, you know, it's going to be a struggle to get that same kind of intensity they had facing, you know, Seattle, Cincinnati, and and Denver in these three huge games. You know, I just – they're right for a letdown. That's, I know that's the coach's job to make sure it doesn't happen, right? Yeah, but, I mean – Look at that Baltimore offense. How the hell are they going to score points? I mean, if you can't, you know, double team Kamar Aiken and take him out of the game, they have nothing else. You know, their offensive line's still a mess. They have no real talent on the outside. Their tight ends are bagged up. You know, they have got Max Williams, but he's still a rookie and no decent quarterback. I mean, they they should really throttle that that offense, even with our our issues in our own secondary. Uh, you know, if Baltimore scoring. T- 20 on you it's a big problem yeah uh and the the uh the coach dials up the fake punt <laughs> i although i will say this did you i don't know if you saw so so while the game was still somewhat in doubt and from the their own 19 yard line or something like that the the bengal or the uh the ravens uh dialed up a fake punt that, that where the punter ran up the middle basically uh and he was stopped and it was like third, it was fourth and nine or something. And he was stopped short of a first down, but here's the best part. The best part is the guy literally takes one step to the right. You know, he went up the middle and took one half a cut to the left 
if he goes to the right, he, he probably gets 30 or 40 yards on the play. So in actuality, they had a really great play dialed up and they had it executed. But, you know, you're counting on your punter to uh, to run for a first down and make a good choice running the football while, while the guys are trying to kill him. Uh, at any rate, though, the coach the coach seems to have more or less bailed on the season from the standpoint of trying to win games. So, uh, you know, that helped, that has to help as well. Um, I read this morning Harbaugh, speaking of Harbaugh, said 10-17 this morning via ESPN that, uh, Ryan, uh, let's see, obviously the clock is ticking. If we want to see Ryan Mallett this year, we're going to have to put him out pretty quick. But that's a matter of whether he's ready to play. Um, but the, the implication is that he intends to start Mallet in the next two weeks, including this week and next week, as long as he can pick up the offense well enough. Um, he said they would like to see him play games, unquote. So games would mean this week and next week, because they, they would like him, their plan is to have Mallet be the backup to Flacco next year. And so they would like to see him play a little bit before they make that decision. Um, so we might get to see at least a, a heavy dose of Ryan Mallet this week. Which is bad news for us. I would rather see. I mean, I don't think Mallet is great, but he's better than Jimmy Clough. Yeah, as long as Mallet wakes up in time for the game, he might be okay. <laughs> Can always count on you, Perch. Um, <laughs> to, to keep it real, to keep it real around here. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, anything else around the league? We have we we touched on Seattle. Maybe you're not you're not a believer in Carolina necessarily. Although I'll tell you this. Cam Newton's dealing, man. Until he, until he plays against a team that can uh, frustrate him and or make him make mistakes, uh, they're going to be fairly tough to beat. He's he's throwing the ball, you know, on every different arm angle and different kinds of touch throws and whatever. And you know, the guy is – I got to give him credit. The guy is playing lights out football. But it's just I don't like you said. I don't know how challenged he's been by anybody they face. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you look at who that team's actually played. That there hasn't been a whole lot of world beaters on their schedule. And I mean, the NFL really, there's a lot of mediocrity in the league this year. And I don't know. I can't quite figure out how Carolina's not been tripped up in any of the games yet. But uh, yeah, they haven't exactly had the toughest schedule so far. Um, yeah, not not, they, not completely sold on that team. Yeah, did they did they play uh, Seattle without Cam Chancellor? I think, uh, I think they that they did. It was week six. Well, maybe he, he may have been back, but they were at Seattle. They won that game by a couple points. They struggled to beat Indianapolis, who has been mediocre all year. They did beat Green Bay, and that's it. I mean, they I don't think they played. They haven't played another team with a winning record. That was it. And they struggled <laughs> to beat the Giants, even though they were blowing the Giants out, but uh, they almost blew that game at the end. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say. Yeah, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call the Colts mediocre. I think the Colts are bad. And the Saints, also not a good team. That was another game they struggled with. But, you know, they just they find a way to win the game, I guess. You know, it's interesting. They, they all have, I mean, their chance of losing in the regular season uh, pretty slim unless they they rest everybody. They've You know, they got the Falcons and uh, I've forgotten who the last weekend. Uh, I think Tampa they Tampa, play. Tampa, maybe, yeah. Team. I mean, maybe Atlanta yeah. can kind of get their act back together and and you know outscore them. I I, I don't know, but it, it just that's probably the only chance. It's just hard to imagine this being you know one of only what two sixteen and zero teams in a regular season ever. It just doesn't seem like that good of a roster or that great of a team. But uh, it might be what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, you know, your man Jericho Cotri. Your man, Jericho Cotri. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, speaking of which, Kansas City. I mean, they, dare I say, look like a dangerous team. I mean, I don't know, you know, still, if you're going to really feel great about the game being on the line with Alex Smith in a shootout or something like this, but they, you know, they seem to be for real. And I know you heard of this guy they have playing corner. What's his name? Uh, Marcus Peters. Oh, my goodness. Every time I watch the damn team, I'm thinking, boy, that would have solved a whole lot of issues right there. Trade up a couple spots and get the guy that we spent months, you know, just yelling about how good this guy was going to be. But he, I mean, he, to me, he's one, probably one of the top five or six corners in the league already. He looks, you know, we compared him to a guy like Aqib Tlaib, who I think is one of the top two or three corners. And Peters might be better than Tlaib right now. He's still got some some things to work through with the mental aspects of the game and, and coverages and whatnot, but just physical talent wise, he's up there with anybody. So it's, he's been fun to watch this year. 
There's yeah, like even... in the MVP of the entire Chiefs team this year. I just read something on ESPN that, that you know, they were talking about him being the team MVP for the Chiefs, a rookie corner. It's hard to do. Wow. Well, and it does seem to have, you know, made a difference, even losing Justin Houston as they did um, for the season, I guess. That's, uh, you know, they're still still on it, although playing playing the, uh, the Ravens not necessarily a big test uh, of those skills. We shall see. I mean, however, the thing about it is, this surge that they've had, if they get a chance to get home field, if they if they knock off, if they, as you said, the Bengals put the Chiefs in a position to get not only uh, you know not only the division but a home playoff game, um, boy, that's a that's a big boost for them. I mean, they they would they'd probably get Denver, the Jets at home. That gives them a much better chance of, of trying to advance in the tournament past just being a one and done team. Uh, which would be a huge thing for them. I don't, I don't know. They they just look like a team that executes really well and that plays, you know, a style of football that suits the players they have. And the thing is, Andy Reid offense really suits Alex Smith. I think. In the end, so they're not asking him to do too much. I mean, you look what he's done the past couple of weeks. I don't think he's even thrown for 200 yards in the past month in any of the games. Uh, it's just you know they're playing really good defense. Uh, you know they're running the ball somewhat well. It just a lot of opportunistic plays where they're getting big splash plays here or there and, and adding up points. So yeah, uh, man. And just when you, Kendrick, playoff, you you do kind of need that passing game, and I just don't know if the Chiefs are going to have it to, to do. Yeah, maybe they get to the playoffs. Maybe they win a game. I can't see them winning two or three games though. No, I can see them winning. I can see them winning a game, especially if they get it at home. You know, if they end up being the three and they and they get it at home, they're uh, they're going to win a game probably. I mean, it depends on what their opponent is, but. It would probably be Denver, though. I mean, you know, and they they would be a pretty pretty close matchup there, just depending on how well Denver's quarterback plays in that game. But uh, would but be they, a, they, the Chiefs negate Denver's strength, though, because they don't care about your corners. They don't throw to the wide receivers. You're right. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's like, why have two great corners or three great corners whenever you're facing a team that, that just wants to dink and dunk to their tight end? You know? But um, how about Sharkhandrick West? I know, uh, you know, he has a a a, a B to B divisional. Uh, what is it? Re- I always forget. A directional, a B a B to B directional state hoodie. Um, that cat has been pretty good for the Chiefs, considering where he came from. And that was a guy that was available to everybody in the whole league. Abilene Christians, pride of uh, Abilene Christians, Shark Andrick West. But yeah, he. Uh, that's the thing about running backs, though. You can find those guys every year. You find those guys that just kind of come out of nowhere. The guy Rawls out in uh, in Seattle was one of the best running backs in the league this year when he was healthy. So I mean, yeah. those guys, they they you just you know, to me, whenever you're drafting or you're doing your priority free agent stuff, you almost have to pick up a couple backs every year just because you sooner or later you're bound to hit strike gold and get yourself a good backup. Yeah, I'm not sure what our. You know, we have this conversation every year, but just sometimes it's a head scratcher to see the guys that we are, are our priority free agents. And it, sometimes I feel like we're looking to fill whole, fill practice holes rather than uh, trying to find. Yeah, they're, they're, they're checking boxes. Hey, we need one more defensive end. We need one more uh, tight end. You know, just to fill out uh, first, second, third, fourth strings for for practice. You know, practice teams and and whatnot in the preseason instead of. Hey, this guy here. If we take you know these two running backs, chances are one of them might turn out to be something great. They're kind of more yeah. or less filling the holes and getting the numbers for each position group. Well, you know, for years we made fun of the Patriots for trading down, trading down, trading back to get more picks, and then you know picking a bunch of guys that busted. But the strategy, I mean, you, I mean, I guess I, I see the fingerprints of uh, somebody who was analyzing. Uh, the draft and, and realize that no matter where you pick in the draft, it's kind of a crapshoot. So the more chances that you have, you're better off uh, because nobody really knows anything about it. And it, you know, it's sort of, it seems to work for them. They seem to get a guy, a lot of guys who are no name guys and they figure out a way to plug them in and make it work. You know, I, I can't really say that the guys they pick aren't good, but I just feel like they, they do have a, you know, for all the fun we made of them for doing that, they do have seemed to have done pretty well. It's the cheating, also. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that that was our uh, the, sort of our bonus around the league segment. I mean, I guess we didn't. I don't know. Anybody else you think is a contender that we that didn't get mentioned yet on this show? 
Well, I mean, I think in the NFC, it's going to be Seattle, Carolina, Arizona, and the AFC is basically the Patriots, the Steelers. I can't see anybody else, really. I, I can't see Cincinnati. Uh, I can't see Denver. I couldn't see Houston or Kansas City. Or anybody? Am I forgetting anybody? No. I think it's either going to be the Patriots or the Steelers in the AFC and one of those three in the NFC. I think there's five teams with a legitimate chance to, to go and win the Super Bowl, and I just really can't see anybody be Anybody else beyond that would be a big uh, upset to me. So Green Bay, Minnesota, you're with me that they're not really quite there yet? I guess maybe I forgot about Green Bay, but I they got too many holes this year. I just I, I couldn't see them winning two games against whether it was Seattle and in Carolina or Arizona and in Carolina. I can't see them beat both of those teams. Maybe they could. When you've got Aaron Rodgers, it's possible, but they've got too many holes. Well, they might. They'd sort of be on track, I think, to get if the Vikings uh, if the Vikings win the division, they're basically going to come down to the Vikings at Green Bay on in the last week. If the Vikings were to win that game, they would host Green Bay the following week. It's possible I could see the Packers beating the Vikings in Carolina. You know that that wouldn't shock me. Uh, that so they might they might get a slightly um, you know more doable path than than um, having to beat say Arizona and Seattle or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it it's probably you know Carolina and Arizona are going to be the two teams with the bye week, so it would be. Minnesota would probably, well, yeah, I guess it would be Minnesota or would it be Seattle? I mean, one of those teams would be at Green Bay the first week and the other would be if, at. If, yeah, if Green Bay wins the division, it's likely Minnesota. I, it still looks like, you know, still looks like Seattle is going to be your five seed. And, uh, either yeah, Minnesota I don't know what the tiebreaker is between uh, Minnesota and Seattle, though. So, well, I guess yeah, either way. But it probably would be Minnesota at Green Bay and then Seattle at the Redskins or the Eagles or whoever held decides. Well, basically, to basically, if if Seattle, tie, if Minnesota ties Seattle, they'll win the they'll win their division. It's it's kind of like if they if they finish eleven and five, it probably means they they beat Green Bay and they get the division. So Green Bay, you know, has to go to Arizona. They have a very tough schedule. They play at Arizona and then uh, they host uh, Minnesota. So they they play two teams that probably. Are going to be slight favorites to win. Maybe the home the home game against Minnesota, they Green Bay will be the favorite. But that's a. Well, you know, I was talking a, about it. If if Minnesota and Seattle finish with the same record, who gets the five seed and who gets the six of the wild card? They both have the same conference record. Yeah, like, Seattle, probably, Seattle has the, the, Seattle has a tiebreaker over Minnesota. Okay, so there you go. So um, if Seattle, for instance, if Seattle um, loses against Arizona the last week and the Vikings lose against Green Bay the last week. They they end up uh, tied at ten and six. Seattle gets the tiebreak. There you go. Um, okay. Just, just just come to me, man. I'll answer your question. <laughs> kidding. Just joking. All right. Well, um, you get your own solo chance to tell us everything that you think is going to happen. And by the way, I didn't see the results yet this week, but you know, my pretty much my only goal in life was to best you in the score game over the course of the season. And uh, for the first time. Ever, I was ahead of you with like two weeks to go, but you caught me uh, on the Cincinnati game. You had a good pick that week, so make it count. Oh, Steelers score game for this week. I'm going to go Steelers 31, Ravens 13. There you go, Ravens. And then anything new to add? Do you think the Do you think we'll see Landry Jones in this game? Um, I, I kind of hope not. I hope that they just leave Ben in and let him rack up some points. I mean, seeing Landry Jones with a double-edged sword, it either means you're blowing him out or Ben got hurt. So I don't want to see well, him. Well, I mean, seeing Landry, Jones with, seeing Landry Jones with a, you know, three-touchdown lead, let's say. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be the ideal thing to have him in, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter and the Steelers up, you know, 20, 21 points or so. But uh, I don't I think that, you know, the, the game's reasonably within 10 points into the fourth quarter where Ben stays in, finishes the game, maybe tacks on a touchdown late, and then they end up winning by 17 or 20, something like that. So that's that's kind of how I see the game going. It'd be close probably through the first half. The third quarter, I think the Steelers break it open, and then in the fourth quarter just uh, kind of coast away a little bit. All right. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the last word. I have one I have one for you first, and that is aside from, you know, uh, first of all, if you're uh, 
if you're out uh, out there listening to the show and you're uh, a Christmas guy or you just like holidays or you just like uh, eating and drinking and hanging out with your friends and family, um, have a safe and uh, uh, wonderful Christmas and holiday pleasures this week. And on top of that, stay safe. And on top of that, uh, if the Steelers only win by one point, it's still a win. It'll look just fine whenever the Steelers are holding Lombardi in February. So try not to be too upset and uh, not enjoy your Christmas dinner. Uh, Perch, I'll give you the very last word. Oh, I'll echo the sentiments. Everybody out there, uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Stay safe. All that good stuff. And then as far as uh, our Steelers go, Big Ben is 33 years old. He'll be 34 for next season. He only got maybe five year, four or five years left with the guy. So uh, it's very rare for the Steelers to have an offense as good as what they have now. It's probably been since 1979 that they've had an offense you can legitimately call, you know, the best or one of the two best in the league. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while we got it. You know, we who knows what's going to happen over the next few years. The Steelers right now look like they're in a position to get back in the playoffs and hopefully win a playoff game for the first time in a, in a handful of years. Yeah, enjoy this because who the heck knows what's going to happen over the next handful of years, especially when our, our franchise quarterback hangs them up. So enjoy these next few games, the next few weeks, and the next few years, and appreciate what we've got because it's very rare in Pittsburgh we have an explosive offense, and that's what we got right now. Yeah, enjoy every game as if it's the last one because it very well might be for somebody. Anyway, Perch, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, all of yours, I'm glad you're still with us, and I'm glad you made it back finally on the show. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, right, no worries. On behalf of uh, Fury and the Perch and all the folks at uh, SteelerFury.com, uh, don't don't forget, tomorrow, 6 p.m., we have uh, yet another podcast, this time uh, with FC coming on. Uh, he gets equal time. It's like, uh, it's like a, you know, a presidential thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm your host, Brad Shadow-Ben, saying until then, Go get them. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.